Welcome to the Indie Writer Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today, Becca, Carrie, and I are on just to talk about the year that we're leaving behind, 2021, and the year ahead, 2022, and, you know, just kind of debriefing and talking about our year in writing and reading and life in general. Uh, This is going to not be a super organized episode, but we hope you enjoy just listening and chatting with us today. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hello. It was really hard not to laugh because Carrie just looked so wise, so sage as she nodded. The year we're leaving behind. <laughs> well, we were trying to think of how to introduce this episode. And I don't know if any of us are excited about 22 or excited about leaving 2021. And New Year's used to be so full of hope. And now it almost feels like a threat. yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know like I'm kind of in a rut right now like I just feel like nothing's gonna change next year so I'm trying to be optimistic I'm trying to figure out how to be optimistic here's my cat (laughs) my cat always likes to be on me when I'm doing podcasts and zooms and stuff but yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to be more optimistic about it. I've I had a book on submission this past year that died on submission, which is like you're so excited that you finally got an agent and then you know, my agent is awesome, but I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, well, it's never going to sell. So now I have a new book on submission, but I'm like trying to not get my hopes up in case this one dies and then I have to write another one. I thought of you, Carrie, because there was a really great Twitter thread today, actually, from, I'm not sure, I'm so sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, Maria Turiaud, who, like, explained, like, why so many, or why so, why it's so hard to quarry right now, and why it's so hard to have a debut on submission, like, basically, I don't know, you should read it, but basically, like, publishing relies on the income made from Kidlit to give all of these advances to their adult authors, but Kidlit, um, like everyone in publishing in Kidlit was leaving in 2019 because they were being treated like crap. And mm. so there's like not that plus the pandemic, there's like just not the income to sign adult authors right now. And wow. so it's like editors are taking on something like three debuts in a year, which is like nothing. And then agents she i mean this was just an example she was giving but maybe say an agent like signs 10 debuts that means there are like seven of their clients who are dying on submission so she wrote a really great thread about it you should read it that's wild because like at my library our children's circulation is going up but it has never overtaken adult like adult is like head over heels in front of it so i wonder if more people are buying children's books rather than coming to the library to get them because of like gifts and wanting to encourage new readers and stuff like that. I think what I got from her thread is not necessarily that kids books are like selling more, but that publishing gives like giant advances to adults that they don't invest in kid lit authors. Oh, that's a shame. Right. 
even though like they're they're using the money from Kidlet to fund those advances. Oh, that's sad. I mean, I don't even care if I get an advance. I just want somebody to buy my book. I know. But she she explained really well like why that set up the whole like sucky situation of nobody getting their books bought right now. That makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't heard that in relation to Kidlet, but I feel like it's pretty common knowledge in the industry that that most publishers rely on the income from just one or two breakout sellers to fund their entire catalog each year. Yeah. So that makes sense. And so her advice was, she said, like, the advice is always, like, push through, like, write the next thing. But what she knows so many authors right now who have, like, multiple books at the querying stage and we're just, like, stuck in this. So her advice was, like, give yourself a break, rest, and study like study craft read which I thought was kind of interesting that's a good idea because I did write two more books this year and so now my agent has asked all of us to make a spreadsheet of all of our like completed works and she's like if I'm at a conference and I hear somebody saying that they want something that's like this then I can tell you you know you have this book that you've written I'm like, I'm going to have like six of them. (laughs) But that's okay. Because it's more likely that one of them will be exactly one of them will be what somebody wants. Should we talk about like what we wrote this year? Yeah. What's your books, right, Carrie? (laughs) So I wrote one book over the summer. I think it took me about four months. And it is about a woman who sleepwalks herself into a crime. And then I wrote the NaNoWriMo book, which is just like mad typing. Like I outlined it in October and I did a lot of that. Like I didn't write anything in October. I just did all that craft stuff. And then I ended up finishing it. That was the one. It's like a locked room mystery where the characters are all trapped in a snowy cabin and they have to get out and there's all this intrigue and backstory and it's probably going to have to be revised significantly because I was just going along (laughs) just just typing so so that will be a project for another day cool and I know I kind of know what Jackie's been working on it's, I'm just thinking like, okay, when did this year start? Because it's just no. trying to conceptualize the whole year and what I've been working on is so strange. So I did a lot of just kind of getting through the copy editing process with my novel, The Chasm, that comes out on March 1st. Um, but I was telling Becca before we started recording, you know, the book has essentially been done. It's been kind of just sitting there for like a year and a half now. So there weren't any substantial changes to that other than just kind of polishing it up. Um, but I did a nano project as well. Carrie and I did a lot of sprinting <laughs> and she, I think, you know, even got over 50,000, which is just, whoa. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I finished it. It's pretty I finished awesome. the draft, 81,000. Wow. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So mine, I kind of did backwards from Carrie. So I did, I start, I already had 20 when I started nano. So I have a draft as well of this new sci-fi book that's called Crepuscular, I think. And it's about a society that um, kind of just exists between dusk and dawn because the sun has become too dangerous to be outside. But then there's also some weird cult uh, aspects to it as well and a little mystery and maybe some body horror. I haven't quite 
figured out exactly which direction it's going. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. That reminds me. So one of my favorite books that I read this year, <laughs> we'll go back to what I'm writing, but Gold Fame Citrus by Ooh. Claire V. Watkins. Oh, there's, it's like culty, post-apocalyptic. Um, the sun is too hot. Well, I'll check it out. And she wrote, I love you, but I've chosen darkness, right? I think it just came out because I think I cataloged it, but that one had kind of appealed to me because I think it has to do with a mother running away from her life, which I can definitely relate to sometimes. <laughs> I will have to look up both of those. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Thank you. I've been trying to just find some that hit that same note because I don't want it to be completely sci-fi. I want it to be a little horror. I've been exploring that, uh, which isn't really natural for me. But um, I'm doing this MFA program, so I really wanted to try to write something outside of my comfort zone. And so that, that'll be nice to look at some comps for sure. How about yeah. you, Becca? So I did all the copy editing stuff for On Home, which came out in August. And then I finished up my punk manuscript and I turned it into the press. And now I'm going back and doing... Um, Chicago Manual of Style footnotes, which sucks. <laughs> I'll just say about it. It's miserable, but <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. You know, everything's miserable. <laughs> we're, we're all just such cynics now. <laughs> I know. Um, but I don't want to complain because I'm really happy that I get to write this book. And um, it's been a really interesting process because I've been talking to so many people from my childhood and my teenhood, my adolescence. And then, like, I realized that I needed the narrative thread to go through, like, the story of the punk scene. And that thread is my life, which has been really intense. But it's been good. Like, it's it's been really good. Um, I also, I don't know when I wrote this, Jackie, like you were saying, I don't know when I started writing my, I think it was more like two years ago, the, um, Granny Witch book. And I've, yeah, I remember that, that one things happened, but that thread today made me feel a little better because she was like, if you've gotten rejections with feedback or if you've gotten full requests, like that's really good right now. That means people like your book and just like <laughs> they can't, you know, so I've gotten one full request and two rejections with feedback. So that made me feel a little better, but oh, good. who knows if anything will happen with that. And then I did the first draft for Camp NaNoWriMo of my ska rom-com and I'm working on revising that. Woohoo! So That's excited for that That's a lot of work. One. Nice oh, job. No. So four different books, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, I realize I'm like thinking back to the past year, I was still working on that sepia sky one definitely got some work, but I'm not sure what that future is going to be. You'll get there. That story's been in your head for a while. It is. I haven't cracked it yet. I just really yeah. haven't. There's a big element missing. Um, and I might just write it as a screenplay. I'm not quite sure. Oh. Just for an exercise mostly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it might help you figure out what to change for a book. I have one that I've been wrestling with too that we were sprinting over the summer with and I wrote like 15,000 words on it and it just was not gelling. So I've, I'm have i thinking about wrangling that one into shape in like early next year. And then we have our writing block anthology coming out 
in April. So that's going to be a big project, editing all the stories. And I always love seeing what people come up with. So I'm excited. I have, I've purposely not read them when the groups were doing their work because we have this, you know, collaborative process, as both of you know, but just for our audience, we are anthology edits go through several rounds of peer review. And I found that when I was reading them ahead of time, I was missing stuff in the final edit. So I was like, I'm going to be hands off for the development and let everybody develop, you know, let these stories develop organically through the peer review. And then I'm going to do like a really good polish on it at the end. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's great. Excited to see it all come together. Yeah. That's the third one, right? Oh, and then Passageways, the fourth. Yeah, Passageways was more like a curated collection since authors were invited. But with this one, we were actually able to include every author that submitted, which we're really excited about because we had to, our second anthology, we had to reject some because we had so many. So before we move on to reading, should we just talk about maybe 2021 goals for writing? 2022. Let me try that again. (laughs) Boy, I'm not even going to try it again. I'm just going to leave all the errors in this episode (laughs) so everyone can see that we're at the end of our year. How did this year happen? (laughs) This is is a whole different year we just went through? What? I know. Oh, I feel like everything since 2016 has just been like, really? Is that really a year? Okay, let's do it. Just rolling. Just looking at pictures of my, they had that, um, there was like a, a prompt on Twitter the other day that Becca and I both used that was like, you know, show your last picture before the pandemic kind of thing. <laughs> and we looked so young, but then I like started looking at pictures of not just us, but my children before the pandemic started. And it really is hard to ignore how long it has been because they just look like such babies. Yeah. And then for me, like having them back in in in-person school, there's that weird feeling that you get over the summer where it's like, oh, like no time has actually elapsed, but they're somehow a year and a half older. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think what I was getting at (laughs) before I started uh, having a word salad, um, was let's talk about yeah our goals in writing for next year and then we'll kind of give an overview of what we read this past year and what our favorite books were and yeah so anybody want to kick us off just what what do your goals look like for 2022 i hope we're all being gentle with ourselves again i know my goals for years have drastically changed to small accomplishable things i want to get my book ready to quarry even if it's useless, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then hopefully get through peer review for the book book. So my agent had us all set goals. So I had to do that. I, a couple of them are around marketing and I'm just not really sure. Like I had, I had, I can't talk. I have to find out like do some research about different social media tools and like what is efficient like i don't want to spend time on a platform and waste it 
So that's kind of in my goals to look into some things. And then I'm doing that anthology that I'm editing in like early 2022. And then I'd like to write like at least one more book, but I like that um, thread you mentioned, Becca, I'm going to go look at it because I like the idea of resting a little bit and maybe being a little more thoughtful about what I write. Cause I'm going to have like, if I keep going, I'm just going to keep having books <laughs> in the garbage pile. So, Jackie, how about you? Or did you say already? No, you I didn't. didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I'm thinking I've had about it. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think everyone's a little frazzled or I'm speaking for myself, but I'm a little frazzled. Um, I feel like I often like I'll get a new planner for Christmas. That's kind of like a, a tradition. And that's one of the gifts my husband will get me. It's like a new planner for the year. And I'll always write my goals. And then so many like in the last few years, when I go to get a new one and I look at the old one, you know, I've accomplished maybe two out of five of them and realize that they just weren't, they weren't things I really had control over. So I'm trying to be better about, about that. Um, so I do have a book coming out in March and I do have a, you know, I know how many copies of the first book in this series sold. I have a number in my head of what I'd like to sell of this next one, which is, you know, maybe about half of what sold the first. Cause I know that, um, sequels are different, that that book's really written for the people that already liked the first one. And so be gentle with myself there. And then I think get this new story, Crepuscular Query Ready would be great. Um, I am in an MFA program right now. So I think my next semester, I'm going to really just try to get more comfortable with short story, which is something I'm not really comfortable with just as a way to generate ideas so that I don't keep getting in a habit where I find myself only working on one project every six months. Um, so I think that's, yeah, just a loose goal to do that um, and get both of my audiobooks finished, which are both in production right now. So that's attainable. <laughs> oh, that all sounds really good. I have a couple of ideas too for like short works, like somewhere in between like 30 and 50. And I'm not really sure what to do with those, but I think that I can self-publish those. Like I did with my one book that only sold eight copies, <laughs> but to be fair, I didn't do a lot of marketing. On it, so. Yeah. When I, I feel like this year too, and it's kind of been like that the last six months, I feel like my my goals for just what I want from an indie publisher or a larger publisher, if that were to happen, it's all about, you know, communication and our relationship, I'm realizing. Um, and, you know, I enjoy teaching. I want to just find someone that helps be a champion for my books, but also helps me find those opportunities around it. And then just saying yes to like, you know, projects that sound fun. Like I have a friend that's like, doing an app and I'm going to, it's like a murder mystery app and I'm going to be acting and doing voiceover in it and just trying to like be more open to creative opportunities that come along that are just a nice way to mark, to network and have fun and, and then saying no to the things that sound draining and <laughs> be better about that this year. Jackie, what you were saying about the um, mystery app, I thought that was cool because my sisters in crime group just did one of those on Monday and it was so fun. That's awesome. Yeah, there's just so many opportunities for storytelling. I feel like coming out around stuff like that, just like interactive um, storytelling. And it, it makes me think of when we had um, Pat Edwards on uh, to talk about just writing the narrative guides to RPG games. And I think that world is really exploding, like writing a script for a scavenger hunt people can do in their town. Like 
it's really neat to see. We did that at work. We did at work, we did murder mystery kits and October we couldn't get it together for Halloween. So we did it for Thanksgiving and it was called who killed Hilda Cranberry. <laughs> that was really fun. And we put it in a folder and just like wrote confidential on it. And um, there were all these little, you know, interactive pieces. So that was not like my own writing. That was like for work, but it was still fun. Yeah, just doing more things like that. It gets your name out there too. It helps you meet people that are in the creative field. So trying to say yes to those things and no to things that I'm doing out of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> so what if we talk about last year, we kind of divided it up you know, did our favorite indie book, our favorite, you know, traditionally published book. And then we did like nonfiction and short story. So maybe I'll just start it off. My one, I think one of my favorite traditionally published books was, it didn't come out this year. So I hope that's okay. Um, that I read this year was The Memory Police by um, Yoko Ogawa. It was a dystopian sci-fi book, but it was about this woman who is a novelist and lives in this world where, you know, the authorities basically somehow, they don't ever quite explain how it's working, but it has a really interesting, you know, feel to it where things will just disappear from everyone's memory. So they'll wake up one day and they suddenly won't know what a rose is or won't know, um, you know, what a tree is or, and then suddenly it starts getting really personal where they just, you know, I don't want to give into it, disappear things that relate to the protagonist's life. And um, I feel like it was one of those books that took me a long time to get into, but it was also one of those books that stuck with me. And I found myself thinking about after I'd finished it. And that's always, I feel like the mark of my favorite reads is one that I keep replaying in my head. So I think that's my first choice. Um, another traditionally published that I really loved was Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. And I think that was just so fascinating. He, um, really played with a lot of form disruption and so it was a novel but it was written as a screenplay um and so the protagonist you know is kind of part of the screenplay world because he he works in in a restaurant where films are often being made and so he like transitions between between script and real life and it was it was just really cool i had never seen an author do something like that before so i'd highly recommend it and it was a quick read i think i read it um, when we were on vacation and just, you know, gobbled it up in like two days. So I think those are my top two choices this year for traditionally published books of fiction. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think mine was probably The Need by Helen Phillips. Oh man, talk about body horror and like motherhood books. Josie brought a book over that she wants to share. You can talk about that next, okay? I can't even read this book. You haven't read it yet, but you're excited. She got it from the Little Free Library today. Um, but the need is so raw and so like relatable as a mom, like just about the physical pull between like wanting to be like merge with your child almost and then needing your own self space, but like written as sci-fi body hoarder, body horror. It was really incredible. I think, um, I also like there, there by Tommy Orange, and let me see what else. 
Oh man, so the Court of Thorns and Roses books. I've read a lot of good books this year. The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. <laughs> Josie says, oh yeah, I did love that one. She's looking at my Goodreads list. She's like, you love that one. Summer Sisters by Judy Bloom, which is such an old book, but one of the prompts from the Pop Sugar uh, 2021 challenge was a bestseller from the 90s. And I just got like totally sucked in and was like, felt like I was in the world and these were my friends for a long time. Um, but yeah, definitely not published this year. And then I also really loved Queen of the Night by Alexander P, who... It was just like so layered and so like you you keep thinking you know what's going on and then you don't like for the whole long book and it was really really well done. So my top book definitely has to be Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. His last year his book Blacktop Wasteland also really affected me. I mean, he is just, he's just such a good writer. Like, his books are a little bit extreme sometimes, like, from a violence perspective. So sometimes they can get a little intense. But his writing is so good. And, like, the emotions that he pulls out from his characters are just, his books are heartbreaking. But they're also about, like, the ultimate hope that comes out of difficult situations. So, any both blacktop wasteland which is from last year and then razorblade tears from this year for sure and then so i just did my top 10 list for it's a hashtag libfaves 2021 so all the librarians who do a lot of the pre-publication we we call ourselves like the early word big mouths because we get a lot of uh advanced reading copies so I felt like it was so hard to pick the 10. Like I I feel like I'm leaving some off that were really good. But after Razorblade Tears, my second one was, are we doing fiction? Just fiction right now? Yeah, my second one was Cackle by Rachel Harrison. I love that book. It is so funny and fresh. Like every word off just pops off of the page like I definitely recommend that it's about Annie who breaks up with this guy and goes to a small town and makes friends with an actual witch <laughs> so it that and then you can see how that works out for her I feel like I've heard you talk about that one before and written it down so it's a good reminder before we jump off from fiction I was looking at my goodreads as well and I just want to like say how much I enjoyed Trashlands by Allison Stein, which I was introduced to by Becca. It was it was so good and just yeah, I feel like I, I listened to the audiobook version and the narrator was wonderful. Um, but I just highly recommend it's a dystopian that takes place in, in Appalachia. Um in the future. I don't I don't know if they say exactly when it is, but the the main protagonist is separated from her child. And so it just kind of goes through their, their tribulations and um, yeah, highly recommend. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm listening to that right now. So I have like 10% left and I've just been like so riveted by it. It just, every time I get in the car, like, I'm just like, I got to listen to trash lands. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I also need to mention, I was just looking at my Goodreads list. Uh, 
Homegoing by Ya Jesse. Oh my gosh. It like, oh, I love family sagas. I just, <laughs> that with the Dutch house are like both two amazing family sagas I read this year. But I feel like this one made slavery feel more recent to me or like maybe understand how recent slavery was in a way that I didn't before. So I'm really glad I read it, not only for the writing, but because I felt like it helped with my political education. Moving on to indie. I want to go first with indie because I feel like people are just going to laugh because I, but I, this is completely true that I'm going to hold up my favorite indie books from this year and they're yours, Becca and Carrie's. Aww, yay. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not just like buttering you both up. These were my two favorite indie reads this year. I just really, truly enjoyed both of them. And so well done, friends. And I'm just so proud to call you friends because it's Aww, just so nice when you read, you know, when you are cherishing a book and, you know, rereading a paragraph and, you know, savoring a sentence. <laughs> and you're like, I know her. No, it just makes me proud and happy. And yeah. So On Home by Becca Spence Tobias and How to Remember by Carrie Duviel. <laughs> Carrie, yours is my favorite too. Oh, thanks. I So I put on home on my hashtag LibFaves2021. So you'll see that coming up in the next week. I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's just so well written. Thank you, Carrie. Um, yours was my favorite. It was totally like, I the short chapters and the cliffhangers, I was like, staying up way later than I should when I was reading yours. <laughs> I loved it. Um, another indie book I really liked so that people don't just think this is nepotism is <laughs> Call It Horses by Jesse Van Earden. Because um, it was about West Virginia women. Of course, I'm going to like it. <laughs> I've got a couple more too. And yeah, I we're, I, we're tooting our own horns here. But I would like to mention GF G.A. Finicaro's books. I We have been having a really hard time. This is in writing block. This is a writing block book. And we have just been having a really hard time promoting this book. I think because it's like dark fantasy and they're big books. But I have to say, like, he's been on a couple times. He was on with his artist and then he was on another time. But I just love his books and I just really want to get more eyes on them. So if anyone has any suggestions about how to market dark fantasy, the other book I really like that's, it's not a writing block book, but the author is a, me a member of writing block is uh, Tahani Nelson, uh, Fai Ascended. That's F-A-O-I-I. -I. I just feel so fortunate that these amazing authors trust me with their writing. And I just love love reading them. Um, one more really quick, my friend Julie Ann Lindsay, she's been on the podcast as well. She has launched her self-publishing empire. So she's, you know, making the jump into indie. So that series is called Burden. No, the first book is called Burden of Poof. And they're the Bonnie and Clyde mystery. So she's putting one out every month until... January and then she's taking a month off and then she's releasing 
she's going to start a new series and release them, you know, catty corner with the Bonnie and Clyde books. So, I mean, it's just amazing how much work she's done. So if you like cozy mystery, I would definitely recommend that series, Bonnie and Clyde. That's awesome. Should we talk about, um, before we move on from fiction, if we liked any short story collections or our favorites? I know what mine is, and it is another one uh, delightful woman who we have been lucky enough to have on the podcast. It was The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filial. It was just, oh, it was such a delight. I feel it was a, it was a pretty short collection, maybe even less than 200 pages. And I'm pretty sure I just got in the bath and started reading it and then didn't get out until I was done because <laughs> I just could not pull myself away from it. There was so much humor and love and um, in, in all of those stories that just connected all of these women in a church community and just were kind of like, you know, sharing their secrets, but in a way that was just, it was just delightful. So thanks for bringing that writing into my life, Becca, because I really loved it. I'm so glad you liked it, but it, I feel like it would be hard not to. It's such a good collection. I was just looking at my list this year, and I'm pretty sure the only short story collection, if it counts as that, is that I've read this year is Tales from the Hinterland by Melissa Alpert, um, who wrote the Hazelwood books. And this is the book of fairy tales that is in the Hazelwood books. And like she actually wrote the whole, all of all of the fairy tales that that kind of come to life in the other books. So that was a pretty cool, like nerdy extra. If you, if you enjoyed her fantasy books. I didn't really read a whole lot of short stories this year, but I have to say, I still have on my reading list, the books by Kyle Winkler, who we were on with him on the Halloween episode. I started reading the nothing that is, which is a novella. And i just like, was immediately captured by the prose. And I have to, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I read, I have to read so many arcs for, you know, the librarian stuff that I've just been kind of like, oh, I own that one. I'll get to it later. So I really do need to prioritize. He has a short story collection out now too. And he read for us on that podcast and I was just like chilled by it. So if I wait till Halloween, I'll read it eventually, but he's definitely talented yeah i've had so much you know reading that's been mandatory in the last couple months that i feel like i have a month off right now and a few books that i'm gonna take with me when i have to uh, travel a little bit and his is definitely in that pile because yeah his when he was reading i think we were just couldn't break contact it was very powerful pretty cool cool should we talk about nonfiction now yeah, I read a lot of good nonfiction this year. I read Patti Smith's memoir, Just Kids, um, which I I read it because I wanted to kind of get into the mindset of a music and a music scene memoir for my punk book. But I ended up really immersed in it because I like I had no idea that that whole scene with like her and Robert Mapplethorpe and Andy Warhol that they were like this very close-knit group of kids hanging out in the Chelsea Hotel who like all knew each other um, and were kind of like the predecessor to that punk scene, which I knew a little bit more about in New York. And so I really kind of 
enjoyed seeing how that was connected to the scenes that I knew a little bit more about um, and seeing how, I mean, they were, they were just kids. Like <laughs> they were just kids hanging out, making music and art. And it's also really well-written. <laughs> the other nonfiction I read <laughs> was Dope Sick by Beth Macy, um, which is about the opioid crisis and how it was started by Purdue pharmaceuticals and just the ramifications through today. Um, also Hill Women by Cassie Chambers. Um, you know, it's an answer to Hillbilly Elegy, another great one, which is showing the agency of Appalachian women, which I really appreciated. Oh, also Drawing Blood was another music memoir by Molly Crabapple, which was about her time in the Occupy movement and also as a former suicide girl. So that was neat to see, um, again, like the intersections between art and music and sex work and like how big corporations suck and <laughs> activism and um, yeah. So that was good. Those are probably my favorite nonfiction. Oh, Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay. I'm way behind on reading that, but I'm so glad that I finally did because I feel like there are so many just like references to it that I was just left out of. And, <laughs> and now, um, and now I know about them. Also, she talks about unlikable female characters in fiction and why it's sexist and bullshit. Mm -hmm. I read that a few years back. I could definitely use a reread of that one. I have a really random, like, surprise, uh, dark horse favorite nonfiction book from this year that I just did not um, realize I would love so much. And I don't even remember who recommended this book to me. But when I picked it up, I didn't really think that this was what it was about. But it's called The Feather Thief. <laughs> and it is about this 20-year-old in London who robs the British Museum of Natural History of all of these like rare species of birds. So he like goes into their archives and like steals a bunch of these birds, literally like puts them in a suitcase. I'm not spoiling too much because you kind of know in the beginning what they're going to be talking about. And just like, you know, walks out of the Museum of Natural History. And then it dives into like how he parses out all of these feathers and you start to learn all about this underground fly tying community <laughs> and all these crazy back channels. So it was like a true crime nonfiction book that really had the pacing of a novel and was just really fascinating. And the, the paperback and hardcover version just like come with all of these amazing images like of the different birds and like I don't know. I had no idea that the underground fly tying community was so fascinating. It sounds um, a little like a Susan Orlean book almost. Like it sounds like it <laughs> might be like the library book, which is another fantastic creative nonfiction work where you just get so sucked into this like true crime and this whole like culture of libraries. And you're like, I didn't even know I was interested in this. It's like all these birds of paradise and who just take, you know, because you imagine flies like fishing flies just a teeny little feather and you could get so many just from this one bird. So he, you know, all in all, it was like a multi-million dollar heist just from getting some dead birds out of some drawers. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I couldn't put it down. It was so good. I've actually gifted it like three times already. And that was how much I was surprised by this book. And I don't think it came out this year. I think maybe it was like three years ago, but it's really good. And it's a quick read and there's some really beautiful photography in it. So.
I recommend it. The Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson. I love books like that where you never would have like thought that you would enjoy it so much. And I think doing the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge this year really got me to read a bunch of those because you're trying to meet all these prompts and you're reading things that you wouldn't have picked otherwise and realizing that you like them. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. And I think it was me just trying to find when I was writing this one story in the beginning of the year, heist books, and just like kind of going down a list of different heist books. And this one came up and maybe not even realizing when I bought it that it was nonfiction. Um, until I started reading. And then as far as craft, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the author who wrote this. And I'm not finished reading it yet. So it's like a half recommendation. Uh, but I've been reading Craft in the Real World by Matthew Salises, Rethinking um, Fiction Workshops, Fiction Writing and Workshops. And um, it's just talking a lot about you know, how we teach craft in the United States and how a lot of that, the time, the way that we teach can leave a lot of underrepresented voices silenced, um, you know, as they maybe sit in a group of their all white peers and aren't allowed to speak while people critique their work. And so how to kind of just take um, a different approach to teaching writing, um, not always teaching to just the westernized view of, you know, the hero's story um and all these different beats and and so it's just been really an interesting read um and then also has a lot of prompts in the back so just as a writer to read it too so whether you want to teach workshops or you just want to you know try um a different way of thinking about story it's been really cool yeah that sounds good i remember when i was at so it must have been at least two years ago because it was pre-covid i was at a library book buzz where they talk about upcoming books that they're excited about and i remember the rep saying that exact same thing like this sounds really weird but i loved it about the feather thief so now you're the second person who's recommended me that book and i still haven't read it but maybe i will so my cat is back my favorite nonfiction was Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes by Phoebe Robinson. I absolutely love this book. I, the audiobook is great. She reads it and she is just like, she's amazing. Like, I cannot love her enough. She's from Cleveland. So that was like, she's talking about places and I'm like, I know that town's right next to my library. <laughs> like, she lived in in the town that's right next to my library and she talks about so many things like she runs her own publishing imprint at plume which is called tiny reparations and there's going to be some really good books coming out from that press from that imprint this coming year one of them is a heist book it's uh, called portrait of a thief by grace lee so i'm i'm just like so excited that phoebe rodden's Phoebe Robinson is doing this and that there's going to be really cool books. And then she's also like, she's so funny. Like I just kept, I was laughing the whole time, even when she was talking about very serious topics, she talks a lot about racism and how she experiences it and just like real wake up calls for white people. So, I mean, but yet she's still like making all these jokes the entire time. And it's just like, I could not stop laughing this whole entire book. So I highly recommend that one. 
And then my favorite craft book from this year was Intuitive Editing by Tiffany Yates Martin. I just thought it was a really good kind of like whole book approach to editing. For me, the chapters that were the most valuable were the developmental editing ones. I do a lot of line editing, line editing and copy editing already, so there wasn't a lot of new stuff for me there, but the developmental was really helpful because I have a hard time looking for certain things in story. I just like stories so much that I'm just like, yeah, it's perfect the way it is. <laughs> I'll read anything as if it's well written. And so it was interesting to find those things in that book. That's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to pick that one up. You're talking about being really funny with serious topics made me remember I also read the Ali Wong book this year, which was just like ridiculously raunchy, hilarious, but also really heartfelt. <laughs> I definitely recommend it. Like I was going to give an example, but I can't because <laughs> my daughter is here, which is ironic because it's called Dear Girls and is written as a letter to her, <laughs> her daughters. Yeah, that one's been on my list for a while. And now that the audiobook is available... That would be a good pick. Definitely worth listening to the audiobook. That's how I read it too, um, because it's her reading it herself. And so she knows exactly how to deliver. I, I don't know if it would have come across as much if you didn't know like her delivery style, but I really like listening to it. I feel like the danger of the, doing these podcasts every year, like getting in this habit, is that now we're all just going to read the books the other person recommended, and then we'll come back next year and talk about all the same books. So we have to make... <laughs> Because I'm, I'm making a list right now of like everything you both have mentioned that I want to read. That's like every day at work. Two of my coworkers read the most. <laughs> so the, everybody else reads a little bit, but they don't talk about it a whole lot. But my two coworkers, like, they come in, they're like, did you read this one? And then the one, she always laughs at me because I read things so early. <laughs> So she's like, I just heard about this book. Have you read it already? And I'm like, yeah. Maybe we can talk about our reading goals for 2022. Are either of you going to do a challenge or do you have like a number goal or specific books you really want to get to? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I want to keep reading more broadly. You know, I've been trying to read, you know, authors that maybe aren't the ones I would normally reach for. And I'd like to continue that. That's been the last few years, really. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This year I set my Goodreads goal as 50, which was pretty high for me. And I, I think I'll meet it. I'm like at 48 right now. Um, so I'll probably do the same. I don't think I'll up it. I don't know. That seems, seems good. I know it's not Carrie, but it's more than I, <laughs> I usually <know>. read. <laughs> I'm insane. I just, I read when I'm feeling stressed and especially when my kids are stressing me out. Like if they just want to ignore me, which I, you know, I get really sad when they do that. So I just read a lot. Like, and I made my goal 150, but I'm at like 179. <laughs> so I don't know. I'd probably still make my goal 150. I should probably make my goal like less, <laughs> read less so that you do other things. <laughs> yeah. And I find the Goodread challenges, it's kind of like nano, right? It's like, if it's serving you, then do it. But if it just feels like a source of guilt or shame in your life, then that's probably not the tool for you. And so I need to kind of 
you know, if I feel like I'm beating up on myself because I'm behind in my Goodreads goal, then, you know, that's not <laughs> really serving me. <laughs> exactly. I feel like 50 is good. Like, we have a thing called the 50 book challenge. I probably mentioned it before at the the library where we give people prizes for meeting the 25 and then the 50. And what percentage is it of people who like never read a book after high school? So I think 50 is <laughs> pretty good. My goal was 50 and I made 60. So I feel I'll probably keep it at 60 because it felt like a good goal. And because that's the soft sugar challenges. I'm really, I really enjoy this challenge. Um, there's a prompt this coming year that's like, a book with a protagonist who uses a mobility aid, um, a book by a Pacific Islander author. So like things that I would not like that I would not just think to search out on my own. Yeah. We will yeah, put a link like to that. that in our show notes. And we'll also put a link to every book we mentioned so that folks can um, check those out if they heard a title they like. Is there anything else you all wanted to shout out or wrap it up and meet again in the new year? Yeah, I think a lot of stuff, a lot of the things that you both said made me think. And I hope that our listeners will feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And when you see this, feel free to tag us on social media with some of your favorite reads of the year. That's always fun. Um, a reminder that if you want to support any of these books, we do have a bookshop storefront. And that's where all the, the uh, links in our show notes go to. So please support bookshop if you can all you know they they use those sales to um, support indie bookstores and um, also help support our growth which we do all of the, the editing and all the work behind this podcast you know falls on you the three of us you. Jackie does. thanks <laughs> thank you um but yes you know anything's great and we want to you know we set a goal earlier this year um to to get a certain amount of support and then we can switch to once a week instead of uh, once every other week and we still have that goal so any little bit helps um and we also have a patron account where we shout out your book if you're an author in our show notes um and in our bookshop page and even on air in every episode at certain levels so check that out too the link is is in our show notes as well and yay another year what are we at now i feel like this is three years you know, this might be our 50th episode and have we been doing it for two years or three years i think two and a half so i think at least a third year this will be our going into our fourth year i believe right is that right i think 19 mm. 20 21 mm -hmm. 22 wow. <laughs> wow yeah so yay team and happy 50th episode. Yeah, nice. And thanks to everyone listening. I know some of you have been with us since the beginning, and there are some of you that listen every single week. We just really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at writingblock.com. No okay. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing!